0: Catholic commentary. Spiritual warfare. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Jesus 911.
1: Soul Patrol Jesus 911, two man car, Jess Romero, Paul Clay. To, uh, remember the month of June is the month dedicated to the precious blood, uh, the month of July, excuse me, I said June. <laughs> the month of July is dedicated to the precious blood of Jesus Christ since 1849 by Venerable Pius IX. This devotion is as old as Christianity, it goes back to the New Testament. I don't know how many verses talk about we're saved, we're redeemed, we're washed by the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus is everything in Christianity and without Amen. the blood of Jesus, we have nothing. That's why as Catholics, mm. we have such an advantage that we can actually receive the body and blood of Jesus Christ, soul and divinity, in Holy Communion every day. If, I, Paul, I feel bad because our Protestant brothers... They have such beautiful songs about the blood of Jesus. They, they talk about the blood of Jesus. They preach and they sing about the blood of Jesus. But they don't literally partake of the blood of Jesus. And that's why as Catholics we must evangelize, evangelize, evangelize until we drop dead. Because everybody deserves the blood of Jesus. Christ died for every single uh, soul on planet Earth. And everybody should have access to the blood of Jesus. And it's Catholics. It's our job to make sure through evangelization that they come into full communion into the Catholic Church.
2: Amen. 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 Yes, Yes. Uh, you're absolutely 100% correct on everything that you just said. As Hahn would often say. You know, they've been too busy looking at the menu and not enjoying the feast.
1: Ah, I like that. I like that. Yeah. 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 Hey, so uh, let's go on to uh, another topic, which uh, it's not not popular to talk about, but it's something that we must talk about because this is the time that we live in right now. Uh, You've probably heard it said that bad theology breeds bad politics. That's true. Want to talk a little bit here about the Catholic bishops and the Democrats. Painful topic, but it's true because this is this is the church on a human level. Remember, the church has a divine component. It's perfect. Its doctrines, its sacraments are perfect, its teachings are perfect. The church Amen. has a human level. Those are us, mm-hmm. the, the lay people, those are the people that run the church. Uh, they, uh we're marred. We we are we are broken we uh we have concupiscence, we need help, and right now, especially the church, the upper echelon of the church is so entangled right now with marxism that 's what we want to talk about right now mm-hmm. one One ingredient related to the church 's leadership, especially here in America, that is common to the collapse of both the church as well as the nation, is the current the current of Marxism, so prevalent within the u s hierarchy and by the way, next week we 're going to have a conference. Over in front of the USCCB headquarters, I'm going to be uh, one of the speakers there, uh, and we're going to be asking the bishops, we're going to beg them and pray the rosaries in front of the USCCB, asking them, beg them to disentangle themselves from the web web of Democrat money. We need the Mm. church to, to disassociate itself completely, cut the umbilical cord from Democrat money because this colors the way our bishops govern. So that's going to be next week's conference But uh, when Stalin came to power back in 1922, he took direct aim at who? The Protestants? No, not a chance. The Jews? Nope. The Muslims? No. He took direct aim at the Catholic Church and set about an immediate campaign to destabilize her. While while it all does seem to smack of conspiracy theory stuff, remember that many of the so-called conspiracy theories over the past few years have proven to be much more than a theory. And the same is true here. Uh, But I think the biggest story not told in modern American history, while it's true that some of this has played out as what appears to be strictly Catholic civil wars, there's another dynamic much less obvious, which is no less present than the theological battles. The culture wars in the United States, it could be argued, really began first inside the Catholic Church. As Marxist notions... And applications of socialism began to take root alongside theological errors. All somebody yes. needs to do, yeah, go ahead, Paul.
2: Yeah, just a little quick comment. You know, when we when we re- remember back at the apparition when our Blessed Mother warned us that the errors of Russia would spread, we tend mm-hmm. to think we th- we tend to think geographically. We think of North Korea, China, but you know, I noticed that. You know when the Bible gives us a warning, the Bible's talking about the church. It's never talking about the world because the world is already in a you know in a hopeless state. Uh, they're they're in slavery. So when our blessed Mother warned us about Russia spreading its errors, uh, I believe first and foremost she was referring to the church and she was referring to Marxist ideas that uh, you know that obviously gave. Uh, uh, Earth to communism, Paul. Because it's only the
1: church that stands in the way of communism. Everything else has been uh, basically steamrolled. Uh, the only yes. the only institution set up by Jesus Christ, the God Man Himself, uh, to to hold back the, the 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 full weight of the Antichrist is the Catholic Church, and so Amen. it makes sense from a strategic level that the devil would go after the church to try to infiltrate it with Marxist thoughts. This way you weaken the church because the church is the only thing that holds back the reign of the Antichrist. Yes. Go ahead ahead and pick up that next paragraph, Paul. Yeah.
2: Yeah. While it is true that some of this played out as what appears to be strictly Catholic civil wars, there's another dynamic much less obvious, which is no less present than the theological battles the culture wars in the united states it could be argued really began first inside the catholic church as marxist notions and applications of socialism began to take root alongside theological errors one need look only f- uh, one need only look no further than the evil of liberation theology in south america imported from the kremlin to shape the dominant Catholic influence throughout the entire continent. The same sort of thing happened in the United States as a direct result of Marxist philosophy being embraced by key players throughout the U.S. Church from the 1930s to the 1950s. That generation set the stage for what could become in the Catholic Church in America a broad-based movement and coalition of like-minded fellow travelers intent on not just destabilizing the church, but also the country. It was the incubator to which the likes of Joe Biden, John Kerry, Nancy Pelosi, and Ted Kennedy, Patrick Leahy, and Dick Durbin would be produced. Stop right there, Jess. Modernist Catholics
1: were produced by a modernist church, and and the church in the 60s forgot her mission— At least uh, post-1965, what ended up happening is they went from evangelization, go out and make disciples of all nations, and and bring in the social kingship of Christ, they went to becoming social justice warriors, and becoming horizontal, becoming man-centered, instead of Christ-centered. That's the Marxism that came into the church post-1960s. You
2: know, know, Jess, I had a discussion the other day with a... uh, uh, a Seventh Day Adventist, really smart guy. You know, went in the uh, he got his law degree and became a lawyer. And uh, at at one point, but he was actually trying to argue with me that Marxist theology was a good thing. He goes, "I can't believe you don't think that that's a good thing." This goes to show you the diabolical disorientation when when you separate yourself from the from the truth of the fullness of the faith you, you know, you really are on thin ice when, it, you know, and, and easily, easily, easily deceived into defending really satanic ideas. Mm.
1: That's right. Yep. Yeah. Amen. Uh, it goes on to say here, <clears throat> the uh, likewise, the nation's Catholic universities, like their secular counterparts, were also invaded and overtaken by Marxist ideology. This Marxist takeover, by the way, Marxist ideology is Karl, Mar- Karl Marx wrote the philosophy that gave birth to communism. And that's what's called mm-hmm. Marxism. The yeah. Marxist takeover happened in many in many smaller, almost unknown, or little-remembered skirmishes. Barack Obama, for example, long before he became the community organizer-in-chief, learned those skills in the same incubator that his future capital Catholic allies were nurtured in. Saul Alinsky partnered up with the Catholic Church in, 19- in Chicago in the 1930s and 1940s, and began the entire campaign of so-called community organizing. It was Mm. under the auspices, get this, it was under the auspices of Catholic training in social justice seminars, begun by Saul a communist, that Barack Obama got his training, even having the Chicago Archdiocese foot the bill for it. So Obama was trained on Catholic dollars they paid for his education to learn Marxism. And the entire Marxist Mm. invasion of the U.S. Church was done under the phony guise of social justice. And from its inception in 1969, it fit neatly in line with the agenda of the Democrat Party, which made the same appeal politically about justice that corrupt Catholic leaders were making theologically. In other words, Paul, uh, the political left and the theological left, both of them work together.
2: Yes, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. Yeah. Uh, Continuing on couple of these new efforts by U.S. bishops with the historic alliance between Catholic immigrants and Democrats, and a powerful, mach- a powerful machine was created to change the course of the nation with church leaders baptizing the democratic agenda and democratic leaders, many of whom were Catholic, <laughs> no. uh, brandishing the blessing of the church in advance uh, to advance their plans. We'll hold tap-
1: tap- yeah. we'll hold that thought Jesus 911 two-man car talking about uh, unfortunately very painful the uh, the Marxist infiltration into the Catholic Church uh, I wish it wasn't so but uh, I'm not an ostrich I don't have my head in the sand come Lord Jesus come we'll be right back stick around don't go anywhere
0: now back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151.
1: Soul Patrol Jesus 911. Today's the feast day of Saint Henry the 8th. He's uh, he was a politician. He was a king, he was a he was a Roman emperor who was a serious Catholic man. He used his his political power and influence to strengthen the German monarchy, to help reform and reorganize the Catholic Church, he built cathedrals with with political money. Uh, he uh, he established monasteries. He arranged for care of the poor. Uh, he supported the religious reforms of his of uh, of, of many uh, Benedictine monks. Uh, yeah, uh, King Henry or Saint Henry, the Holy Roman Emperor, he's uh, he's ex- he was also a good husband, a good father, a good uh, a great ruler, a statesman. He was a soldier. The church canonized them back in 1146. It goes to show you that you can be a good politician and a disciple of Christ. Saint Henry II, pray for us. We're talking about the yeah. alliance, the alliance between Catholic, the, the the Democrat uh, Party and the U.S. bishops, and this is what a lot of us as lay Catholics were screaming that they that this umbilical cord gets cut because it's affecting the country, it's affecting us. Uh it's 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 uh smearing the bride of Christ. Uh yes. the church has a supernatural mission, not a natural mission, and our bishops have to cut the umbilical cord because they're swimming in millions of dollars of Democrat money. Paul, you were making a comment right before the break. Yeah.
2: yeah. And Jess, I'm glad you corrected that because you you mistakenly said uh Saint Henry the Eighth not oh, to be you <laughs> we you. don't want we don't want that scoundrel being oh, uh no oh you know, no that scoundrel who uh, from england who divided the church you know uh no we're talking about uh saint henry the yeah, second yeah 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 thanks paul <laughs> no um, you, you made the correction the, the second okay. time around but i was like oh we don't want to get people thinking <laughs> henry the eighth was some kind of saint that's right <laughs> anyway um So uh, continuing on with the article, Jess, likewise, the nation's Catholic universities, like their secular counterparts, were also invaded and overtaken by Marxist ideology. This Marxist takeover happened in many smaller, almost unknown, little-remembered skirmishes. Barack Obama, for example, long before he became the community organizer-in-chief, learned those skills in the same incubator that his future Capitol Hill Catholic allies were nurtured in. Saul Alinsky partnered up with the Catholic church in Chicago in the 1930s and forties and began the entire campaign of so-called community organizing. You know, Jess, Hillary Clinton was also a Saul Alinsky, um, student, student uh, acolyte. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. Yeah. I know she wrote,
1: yeah. uh, she, her BA, her BA thesis for whatever college that she went to, went to, she wrote her BA thesis on Saul Alinsky. So she looked up to yeah. him. Uh, and, yeah. and also, Soloninsky, by the way, this community organizer from Chicago, he wrote a book called Rules for Radicals, and the forward page in mm. the book, he dedicates the book to Lucifer, who he calls the mm. first community organizer. Uh, Saul yes. also says, that he's on a video on the internet, on YouTube, uh, he was asked when he dies what's going to happen to him. He says, when I die, I'm going to go to hell, and I'm going to organize hell. I'm going to be the greatest community organizer in hell. Uh, those are the words of you Saul
2: yeah. Well, you know, and it just goes to show you just that, you know, on the one hand, these, you know, you know, these politicians, they, they want so much to separate church from state. But in reality, no, they just want to separate the the true God, the one true God, <laughs> from man. And they have not. I mean, they. I mean, you know, Hillary Clinton, based on those emails uh, with uh, John Podesta, you know, they were talking about spirit cooking and occultic practices, and and again, Saul Alinsky, who dedicates his book Rules for Radicals to Satan. It just shows you these people are so um, you know enamored with. With satanic ideas, yeah, uh, and and, and they and they just basically mixed it into their politics.
1: Yeah, Paul, uh, you could you could look on the internet and you could see that Joe Biden, he has a prayer group. There, it's it, it's uh, it's an organized <laughs> oh, prayer. Really? Group. Yeah, it's they're called Satanists and witches for Biden. They're on the internet. They've got they 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 got several links. They're on social media. So uh, yeah. I mean, the, these are the people that uh, they they curse and hex and cast spells upon the enemies of biden so he's got he's got his own spiritual component as well mm. yeah let no wonder he seems to- like no, no wonder it seems like he's wearing Tethlon. <laughs> exactly so uh let me see the entire marxist invasion of the u.s church was done under the phony guise of social justice and from its inception back in 1969 to fit neatly in line with the agenda of the democrat party which made the same appeal politically about justice that corrupt Catholic leaders were making theologically, as I said, the political left and the theological left work together. Couple mm-hmm. of these new efforts by the U.S. bishops with the historic alliance between Catholic immigrants and Democrats and a powerful machine was created to change the course of a nation. Okay, I already said that. Next, it was a tapestry, and still is, of historic cooperation between church and state in a nation that seems to never tire of pointing at the infamous wall separating church and state. But in this case, it was only part of the state the party of the Democrats, whose agenda has been almost entirely embraced by the U.S. hierarchy. It was Mm. only the Roe v. Wade decision of 1973 that threw a monkey wrench into the works. And of course, the Marxist bishops denounced abortion here and there to appease conservative Catholics, but they never did anything substantial to fight it. In fact, I can say that the U.S. bishops have never had one fundraising effort for any pro-life cause at all. Not Mm. only did the bishops refuse to follow the Church's Canon Law 915, which gives them the power to deny Holy Communion to pro pro bort Catholic politicians, but they also have, to this day, never once in hundreds and hundreds of national collections ever taken up one pro-life collection at Sunday Mass. The U.S. Mm. church establishment is is in a neck-and-neck race with the Republican Party establishment to see who can talk the biggest game about abortion but never actually do anything about it the only one that did something about it substantially is a guy named Donald Trump paul go ahead
2: you know just real quick comment on this the us bishops why then is this occurring i'm reminded just when pope leo uh, had his vision uh, leo the 13th where where uh, satan basically was given power over the church. And, you know, and and I was thinking about that vision. And as you know, Jess, in spiritual warfare, God just doesn't, you know, uh, usually give power in, you know, uh, uh, of of the demonic over, over his people. Uh, These people have basically, because of their lifestyle, because of what they represent, they've basically compromised and basically given the devil permission, so to speak. And so, the way I see most of these bishops, not all of them, Jess, but most of them, they're nothing more than hirelings. And as a hireling, what they should have been doing is guarding the church. They should have been shepherds to the flock, Amen. you know, under shepherds of Christ. And instead, they've allowed these ideas uh, to, to creep in, these false ideas, even though they were warned by many holy popes before them, you know, that talked about the, the pitfalls of modernism and and things like that. But they yet they embrace these ideas. Why? Because they are hirelings, and as a hireling, just many of them have not. Don't they lack true conversion? Sacred Scripture warns us of beware of wolves in sheep's clothing, and so that means they're not a sheep; they're really a wolf. And if they're really a wolf and not a sheep, the Bible says that 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 the things of God are only spiritually discerned. Okay, in other words, you have to have the spirit in order to discern the spirit. Uh, the body of Christ has been given the mind of Christ. Well, obviously these people have not had the mind of Christ, but they've had a mind of compromise. Go ahead, Jeff.
1: Yeah, I'll tell you. Too many bad bishops. Uh, they've sold their office to the Democrat Party. These child murders. Uh, these mm-hmm. uh, this party that wants to destroy marriage, wants to destroy our children, mutilate them. Uh, yes. And 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 we have to pray for these men because I'm telling you. Uh, uh, th- these men are twist these bishops are twisting their faith for their own political ends uh, and they're leading souls to hell and i just yes. ask myself don't these bishops they're all old men now, not all of them obviously mm-hmm. but the you know who i'm talking to you know who you are your names do you really think bishops and cardinals you bad ones out there do you really think that there's going to be a day of, uh, that there's not going to be a day of reckoning for you you're all mm. old men you're all yes. going to step right into the tribunal of Christ. You're yes. either going to step over there as disi- fearless disciples of Christ or cowards. Take your pick. Uh, mm-hmm. Disentangle yourself from all this federal money coming into your coffers through the Democrat Party. Uh, you know, as, as John the Apostle says in the book of Revelation, uh, you know, uh, depart from her, you know, uh, you know leave her. And I'm telling you, we have to go back to our mission. We are a church here for the salvation of souls, not for political expediency.
2: That's right. Sacred scripture tells us just, we are strangers and aliens in this world. You know, we're ambassadors for Christ. Our citizenship is in heaven. Uh, we're we're not supposed to coddle the world. We're not supposed to, you know, uh, you know, cozy up nicely with the world's ideas and ideology. It's not about save the planet. It's about saving the souls of men it's yeah. of men and women. It's about going out and obeying the great commission that Christ said to go out teaching them all that I have commanded you, baptizing them. Uh unlike uh this new uh uh cardinal who's in charge of uh Uh, youth day who's basically saying no we're not trying to convert anybody to christ we're not trying to you know uh we can all just come together and 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 embrace our diversity what kind of nonsense is this all these guys are diabolically disoriented this is this is
1: homosexual speak okay wow that language is the language of a homosexual but Uh. uh Going back to the article, if, let me wrap it up here. It says the culture wars in the U.S. really began inside the Catholic Church. And moreover, for another example, it was the Bishop's National Conference that came out publicly swinging for the fences in favor of Obamacare. It was Catholic Senator Susan Collins, another product of the incubator, who voted the legislation out of committee and got it to the Senate floor for a final vote. It was her single vote that ensured Obamacare to become law. Obamacare should should be really be called Bishop Care. Obama mm. proposed it. But the bishops alongside their theologically corrupt uh, politician sheep are the ones who brought it to birth. The America we are witnessing before us today has the fingerprints of three generations of bishops and corrupt clergy all over it. It's the biggest story not told in modern American history. And Paul, I, I just don't know for the life of me. Would our Lord Jesus Christ have cowered if he would lived right now before the IRS, before the Democrat Party, knowing that the Democrat Party has been, uh, uh, you know, through their financial means, they've been killing millions of babies each year. And our U.S. Mm. bishops play nice to them. Our U.S. bishops are in bed with them. Would our Lord be in bed with the Democrat Party, this baby-killing political party and the IRS? I think Not.
2: Hmm, yeah, just like when you guys stood up uh, uh, against the Dodgers and, and 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 that that mockery that they were honoring these so-called sisters of perpetual indulgence, uh, the what what was the message that came out of the bishops and out of the archdiocese? Oh, well, we we want to step back and just dialogue. You know what I mean? This is this is too much to stand up and honor and you know and put you know put it all out there to you know for the for the honor of Christ. We just want to dialogue with these people. Oh, I just... You can't make this stuff up. (laughs) Okay. You're listening
1: to Jesus 911. Two-man car. (laughs) Hey, our hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, we'll be talking next about an incredible Catholic prayer called the Holy Face of Jesus. Stick around.
0: Now back to Jesus 911 if this call is not an emergency dial
1: 888-526-2151 in prayers i uh, i prayed uh, a little known chaplet uh, for battling god's enemies with the power of christ's holy face it's called the, uh, the the Holy Face of Jesus Chaplet. It's a short prayer, but it's beautiful. Me and Anita prayed it this morning before breakfast. Uh, let me tell you a little bit about this chaplet. Actually, there's an entire book written on this if you want to know. There's a priest by the name of Father Carney from Kansas. Uh, he wrote a book on this. It's called The Secret of the Holy Face by Father Carney. It's put, put out by Tan Bush Books, one of the authentic Catholic publishing companies in the country. And and essentially, because uh, I've interviewed Father Carney on this show, he said that the holy face uh, devotion was given to us by our Lord himself to fight off against communism. So if you're wondering, what can I do with all this communism, this socialism that's uh, that's coming into the church, coming into this country, start praying this prayer. It takes about five minutes to do. Find some time throughout the day to do it. It's a beautiful, powerful prayer. Uh, this, uh, this devotion to the Holy face of Jesus, it was, uh, it was revealed to our Lord by our, by our Lord Jesus Christ to this French discalced Carmelite nun. Her name is sister Mary of Peter back in, I think it was in 1846. Uh, and so our Lord Jesus Christ asked her to spread the devotion in, in reparation for the blasphemies that were already happening by the communists. Uh, uh, I mean, by the Masons at that time and the communists uh, a few decades after. But it's a prayer of reparation for the blasphemies against God and the profanation of Sunday. And so many saints in Catholic tradition have honored the holy face of Jesus. Just think about Veronica's veil. veil. It's in the Vatican, Mm -hmm. the face of Jesus. That tradition about honoring the holy face of Jesus goes back 2,000 years uh, with with the uh, with Veronica wiping the face of Jesus and Christ's face is emblazoned on a veil which is in the Vatican today. You also have mm. other great saints of the Church like Saint Teresa of Lisieux, Doctor of the Church, Pope Leo the Thirteenth, who also uh, spread this devotion to the Holy Face of Jesus. And so the Church celebrates the feast of the Holy Holy Face of Jesus each year on the Tuesday before Ash Wednesday. It's a beautiful, powerful devotion. Every time I go pray in public. I always do this devotion in front of an abortion clinic or a prayer rally. So there's nine points that our Lord Jesus Christ made for those who honor his holy face. And me and Paul, we'll go, we'll go back and forth. Paul, what's the first promise that Jesus makes to those who honor his holy face by saying this prayer?
2: Yes. By offering my face to my eternal father, nothing will be refused. And the conversion of many sinners will be obtained. Remember, what is, what
1: is when you get to heaven, what is the beatific vision? It is face-to-face fellowship with God forever. Mm, and so amen. this devotion already teaches us now to prepare us for that beatific vision. The second promise our Lord made to, uh, to those that pray this devotion, he said, by my holy face, they will work wonders, that means miracles, appease the anger of God. And draw down mercy on sinners. Boy, oh boy. Check mm. all those three boxes. We, know, we need all those three boxes like yesterday.
2: Amen. Amen. Point number three. Uh, promise number three. All those who honor my face in a spirit of reparation will by so doing perform the office of the pious Veronica. And again, you made reference to Veronica's veil and understanding that that's, uh, that's, that's powerful.
1: Yeah, that's part of the tradition of the church. Veronica, mm-hmm. wiped the face of Jesus. That veil is in the Vatican today. You can see it as being kind of glass case. And you can see mm-hmm. the beautiful face of our Lord Jesus Christ that's been disfigured, as the Bible says. Uh, a, point number four, our Lord says, according to the care they take in making reparation to my face, disfigured by blasphemers, so will I take care of their souls which have been disfigured by sin. My face is the seal of the divinity, which has, been, which, which has the virtue of reproducing in souls the image of God. Whoa, what a promise.
2: hmm Oh, yeah, it's a great promise. Yeah. Number five, those who by words, prayers, or writings defend my cause in the work of reparation, especially my priests, I will defend before my Father and will give them my kingdom. Wow. Wow. Uh, You know what? If you're a priest who's who's trying to make a stand, this devotion is necessary because, uh, you know, facing cancellation and just uh, so much uh, from inside the church. uh, Yeah, I would be devoted to this. And Um, Paul, can you imagine? Look at what our Lord said.
1: This is these are Jesus's words to a Catholic nun, mm -hmm, uh, a discolored Carmelite nun. The point number five. Uh, you know those who, by words, prayers, or writings, defend my cause in the work of reparation, especially my priest. Paul, I don't want to name any names, but there are actually Catholic bishops that have been uh, and I've been have been telling me and others, don't go out in public and do prayers uh, you know of reparation, Don't do that in public. What? Jesus says right. quite the opposite. What some of these Catholic bishop hirelings are saying goes against what Jesus says. Jesus is saying to go there doing work, do works of reparation, especially priests. And we have priests and bishops telling us, don't go out to Dodger Stadium. Don't go out to Scottsdale where the Satanists are going to come and consecrate the city to Satan. Don't go out of Boston, Massachusetts where the Satanists are going to consecrate Boston, Massachusetts and bishops are saying don't go out there and doing prayers of reparation jesus yeah. says the opposite
2: yeah look at john the baptist in his ministry <laughs> you know all the all you got to do is follow john the baptist who of whom jesus said no no greater son has been born to woman to that point to the point he was born and then john the baptist Uh,
1: Point number six, our Lord says that as in a kingdom, they can procure all that is desired with a coin stamp of the king's effigy. So in the kingdom of heaven, they will obtain all they desire with the precious coin
2: of my holy face. Wow. Mm, Yeah, that's nice. Yes. That's nice. That's yeah. Number seven, those who on earth contemplate the wounds of my face shall in heaven behold it radiant with glory. Mm. uh you know, yeah, just just contemplating and meditating on the suffering that Jesus endured uh uh that's that's that will give us perspective here on earth and understanding that hey this is this is what we're called to do to suffer we're not called to 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 you know be prosperous and you know all these false gospels that have you know these gospels whose God is their own appetite no, Christ has called us to emulate himself. And, you know, and, and as we contemplate his wounds, uh, we willingly uh, accept whatever he brings to us.
1: Amen. Uh, point number eight, they will receive in their souls a bright and constant irradiation of my divinity that by their likeness to my face, they shall shine with particular splendor in heaven. Wow. Mm, Practicing yep. this devotion, you're going to shine with particular splendor in heaven.
2: You're going yep. like to shine like the stars. And number nine, I will defend them. I will preserve them. And I assure them of final perseverance. <laughs>
1: that means you won't fall away from the faith, no matter uh, if the Antichrist is here, the spirit of the Antichrist. If you are devoted to this devotion, God is going to make sure that you have the f- the grace of final perseverance and you'll ne- le- never let go of his hand.
2: So Why? Because... Uh, th- yeah. Go no, ahead. I was just going to say why. Because this devotion is... Plain and simple, it's devotion to the suffering servant himself, to Christ. Yes. This is why. Uh, yeah, Go ahead, Jesse. You were going to say something.
1: Just, I was just going to say that the way you pray the chaplet of the Holy Face, there's several reparation prayers to honor the Holy Face of Jesus. But this chaplet is quick and powerful. Christ revealed this chaplet to Sister Mary of St. Peter to battle the enemies of God, especially communists. Did you hear that? Especially communists. Do we have a problem with communism right now? All all over the world. In Mm -hmm. honors, it honors each of Jesus' five senses. uh, It honors Jesus' five senses. While meditating upon his senses, Jesus asks us to meditate upon his wounded holy face. And if you do not have the cross beads, feel free to count any other way. You just use your fingers. The Lord hears you even without beads. And the prayers are beautiful. I did it this morning. It was just, I was just so moved. Uh, I've done it before a few times. When I go out in public, I'll do it in front of an abortion clinic. But I just did it this morning with Anita. And I said, yeah, Anita, we got to start embracing this because we are dealing with communism right now. And this is the prayer that Christ gave us to fight off communism so that we have the grace of final perseverance. L- the main prayer is this one. Look what it says here. Uh well, it's uh, on the cross. It says, oh, God, come to my assistance or Lord, oh Lord, make haste to help me. That's Psalm 69, verse two. Then you pray mm-hmm. when glory be. Then on the first large bead, you say my Jesus mercy. Then you pray when glory be. And then on the on the six beads, you pray him six times. Th- this is an exorcism prayer. It comes. It's. It's I think it's Psalm 68. It comes from. It's in the rite of exorcism that priests pray. It says, "Arise, O Lord, and let thy enemies be scattered." That's a straight exorcism prayer. We're called to say that six times, and then our Lord adds to it. He says, and then we add, "And let all that hate thee flee before thy face." You say that six times uh and uh so it's uh it's uh, I'm looking at these prayers, Paul. I'm telling you they're they're totally rooted in scripture. They're totally rooted in uh, in salvation in in in, in uh in uh, soteriology in the, in the theology of how to get to heaven, how to be saved.
2: Yeah. And, and, and I'm glad you pointed it out. These are exorcism prayers, Jess. So it's more than just, you know, nice, nice words. You know, these words pack spiritual power. These, you know, uh, you know, the the power to truly bring down uh, that the gates of hell shall not, uh, uh, cannot stand against these types of prayers.
1: Absolutely. Uh, Just think about it. The Bible calls our prayers arrows, arrows that we fire into the sky. And as Catholics, Mm -hmm. we have to do our part to we have to light up the sky with arrows. And what are those arrows? Your prayers. Catholics, are you lighting up the sky with arrows? Because I'll tell you what, the enemies of God, they're lighting up the sky with dark arrows. Those are curses, hexes, uh, incantations, spells, cursing, uh, you know, bad words, the enemies of God, they are, they are lighting up the sky with dark arrows. Are the children of God, are we lighting the sky with golden arrows? Because that's what prayers are. They're golden arrows. And that's what the Psalms calls our prayers. Arrows that we fire into the sky.
2: Yes, oh, wow. yes. I, I'm, I'm, just reminded, I'm just reminded of John chapter 1, where uh, verse 5. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. That's what we're talking about, yes. We're talking about combating the darkness with the light of Christ himself. Uh, hold that thought, my friend. Hold,
1: hold that thought. We'll be right back. Jesus 911, stick around. Don't go anywhere.
0: Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888 526 Two one
1: five one. Soul Patrol Jesus nine one one. So, what is a dissenter? You've heard that word before. Dissenter. A dissenter is a person who dissents in matters of opinion, belief. Uh, it could be maybe a political dissenter to, to uh, decrees or ideas, or it could be a religious dissenter, which uh, which uh, disagrees or opposes what's been established by that religion in the catholic church we have political dissenters let me tell you in recent times where it comes from during vatican ii you had the modernist theologians and you had more conservative theologians at the council nobody denies this Mm-hmm. Some of the modernist theologians were like Karl Rahner, Congar, Skillebeck, Hans Kung, Chenyu. And what they did after Vatican II, to, because they didn't really get their way at Vatican II, they weren't able to change the church like they wanted to. But they were able to insert some ambiguous statements. But the way they did change the church is after Vatican II, the liberals, Rahner, Congar, Skillebeck, Kung, Chenyu, and others, They formed a committee, a a theological commission, and they came out with a theological journal called the Concilium in 1965. And this way, academically, they were going to start pushing their errors into the Catholic academics, to seminaries, to Catholic universities. Now, Mm -hmm. the more conservative theologians at Vatican II, they were a little bit late to the party. It, they also got together and said, hey, these guys, are, these guys are moving the church in a direction that the church never intended to go. So the more conservative ones like de Lubach, uh, at, the, at the time, Ratzinger, and others, they founded a theological journal called Communio, Communio in 1972 that was promoting, again, uh, the perennial teachings of the church in orthodoxy. And so this is what happened, and, and and they've been battling ever since. Both of them have academic journals, and you know, people like Scott Hahn and you know, the academics of our church, bishops and a lot of priests with PhDs. They either they either uh subscribe to the liberal uh journal, which is concilium, or the orthodox journal, which is communio. And so any any academic in the Catholic Church. Priest, bishop, theologian, they're cutting their teeth on one of these two journals that comes out several times a year. So this is how both sides are really trying to influence people post-1965. Now, um, as Catholics, some people will ask us, Paul, well, you guys are just lay people. You don't have the uh, competence or ability to, to make any, uh, any criticisms of our leadership. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. The church permits mm-hmm. that, okay? Mm-hmm. It's, in paragraph, it's in paragraph 907 of the Catechism, so let me read it in case somebody is saying, you and Paul shouldn't be saying the things you say. Let me read what, <coughs> this, is, this is official church teaching post-1965. It says, in accord with the knowledge, competence, and preeminence which they possess, it's talking about lay people, lay people have the right and even at times a duty no mm-hmm. duty, those are military words, duty, obligation. Mm-hmm. A duty to manifest to the sacred pastors their opinion on matters which pertain to the good of the church. And they have a right to make their opinion known to other Christian faithful. that's what we're doing with these podcasts. Mm-hmm. with due regard to the integrity of faith and morals and reverence toward their pastors, and with consideration for the common good. And the dignity of persons, so, mm. so that's that's the foundation that we stand on as Latin yes. Catholics to podcast, to write articles, to blog, and to make statements when we see some of our shepherds acting like hirelings. Paul. Amen. You
2: know, uh, Jess. I don't, uh, how, how's the audio? Sounds very yeah, loud. Yeah, I can hear. I can
1: hear you. I can hear you. I can hear you. Oh, yeah.
2: Okay. So, Jess. For me, I remember when I went in the military and I raised my hand, and in raising my hand, I swore to defend the Constitution in the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, right? And so, you know, that was reminding us that sometimes the enemies are from within.
0: Mm. And that's what we're
2: doing here. You know, mm. uh, with, our allegiance is to Christ good our connection good to, connection wow yeah yeah our allegiance is to the you know uh the perennial teachings of the church that have been passed down faithfully through the through millennia and so so now um you know so what what we do we don't you know uh we do because like again we have sworn allegiance to christ and you know to those those words you use yes uh you know concilium and communio uh, let me just give it Two easy words, modernism and traditionalism. That's essentially <laughs> that's a, it. Am I right? <laughs> you know, the modernists are, are the conciliums. Yes. And the traditionalists are the commun uh, are the communios. Yes. That's simple. Yeah. yeah. And that's the battle. Yeah, you're right. And and I'll tell you, Paul,
1: people wonder, they'll say, well, jess how did Bishop so-and-so, how did Father So-and-so, how did this theologian, how did they become a modernist? How do they become a Mm -hmm. dissenter? Here are the things that uh, I've narrowed it down to about six things that I've seen in my last 30 years of uh, of evangelization and sharing the the gospel of Jesus Christ in the Catholic Church. Here's probably the the six thinking errors that I see that modernists fall into. The first one Mm -hmm. is a huge one. The first one's called the seamless garment theory. This one's used effectively, by the way. This one was devised by a homosexual cardinal, Joseph Cardinal Bernardine, back in the 1970s, Cardinal of Chicago. Him and his liberal allies back then, Dearden, Mahoney, just a, a lot of the liberals back then in the 70s, what they did, they advanced the notion that Catholic politicians should not be judged only or primarily by their position on abortion, So these liberal (laughs) cardinals in the 70s, they came up with this this theory called the seamless garment, where they said, well, abortion is merely one strand in a rich and finely woven seamless garment of Catholic social teaching in defense of life. And so these liberal modernist bishops, they said, we also have to consider in the seamless garment other issues uh, in, in, to include to include <laughs> alongside abortion, like you know, like war and peace or immigration or tax cuts or housing or the death penalty or economic justice or welfare reform feeding or the, the fe- poor, or, yeah. yeah, the federal budget, civil liberties, feeding the poor, healthcare, education, and so, uh, the, so they muddied the waters in the seventies, and they still use these arguments. The Catholic left still says, "Look at when we look when we're going to vote." All things, you got to put all these things on the table. One thing doesn't outweigh another. That's where they're wrong. We have have papal statements going back 100 years saying that the preeminent issue of our time, the civil rights issue of our time, equivalent to slavery, is the killing of innocent babies. But the seamless garment theory is used by the Catholic left and by Catholic Democrats to kind of try to advance the notion that, hey, you know, abortion is just one of many issues. It's not the deciding factor.
2: Mm yeah. Well put.
1: What's the next you know, theory that the Catholic left pushes, Paul?
2: Uh, it's really moral. On the one. second
1: was one moral relativism. Mor-
2: yeah, yeah. Moral relativism. And that's to say there is no truth. Yeah. <laughs> moral relativism. Uh, that is, does that not define, um, uh, our society today jess well it's what uh, that
1: cardinal true. wants to do for that cardinal wants to do that for your youth day hey we want to yeah. bring young people here but not to bring them to christ no they, yeah. they, they you know just for them to just get an experience and decide what they want to do with their life and what religion they want to embrace that that's yeah. moral if, relativism that cardinal yeah. is the moral relativist
2: Yeah. And then this this is basically religious pluralism in the sense that, you know, it's more than just a tolerance. It's basically saying that, hey, you know, just be all that you can be wherever you're at because we're just one, you know, in reality, we're all on the same side. That's right. (laughs) The third
1: error of liberals is called secular humanism, where a lot of Catholic liberals and a lot of leftists, what they do is they overemphasize on the material or on matter Uh, To the rejection of the spiritual. And this leads to pragmatic atheism. In other words. To put it simply. A secular humanist thinks more about the weekend. And margaritas. Than they do about their their eternal soul. On judgment day. They don't think about. They don't look at life through the lenses of eternity. They look at life through the lenses of what am I going to do this weekend.
2: Yeah. They totally basically deny the supernatural. Yes. And everything. They look at everything in human. It's simply human uh, natural means. Yeah. Uh, and the, the third one, yeah, yes, the, the, is going to be a, a fundamental, form. yeah, a fourth one yeah. fundamental option theory. The key claims of fundamental option theory are the individual acts, uh, are that individual acts do not change our basic orientation, and that only when our fundamental option changes against God do we fall out of a state of grace. A person can commit particular sins without losing a state of grace. That sounds like Protestantism to me, Yes.
1: Yeah, and that's a lot of the Catholic <laughs> left embraces that, like, like Father James Morton and many others. Uh, they'll say, uh, it doesn't matter what you do below the waist or in your bedroom. What matters is, as long as you love God, it doesn't mm. matter if you're in a, in a sodomy relationship. or. Uh, it, yeah. it doesn't matter. Yeah. If it doesn't matter. Uh, all that matters is that you love God, so if you love God, guess what? um the sky's the limit
2: yeah well let me let me let me give you some scripture on that. Uh, you say you believe in God, you do well, but I tell you the devil believes in God, and he trembles you know so 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 the so-called faith that the devil has is doing him absolutely no good, and so far, Jesus said, "If you love me, obey me, then you are my disciples uh, you know so then the opposite of that is true. If you don't obey him, well, sacred scripture says it. He who does not obey the son shall not see life. There you that go. simple.
1: Bang. Paul, what's the definition of modernism? Fifth error. What is it?
2: Yeah. The error that novelty or newer is better also. The denial of the supernatural for more natural explanations to miracles recorded in the bible oh yeah like the miracle of sharing uh, when jesus multiplied the bread that
1: one (laughs) right yep that one and finally the sixth (laughs) error of the liberals is called incrementalism that means and that's what they're trying to do right now through the synods of synodality they try to change the church's teaching incrementally through dissent or silence from the pulpits they just don't preach the truth or just little by little they keep creeping in heterodoxy and modernism uh, why? Just follow the money. The love of money is the yeah. root of all evil. Hey, that's a wrap, yeah. Paul. J- Jesus 911. Yeah. Hey, keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Start praying the chapter of the holy face of Jesus, and I think it's going to turbocharge your faith life. Up next, Gary Machuda, Hands-On Apologetics, coming to you from the Midwest Command Center. As for me and Paul, EOW, end of watch, we are out. God bless you. Keep the faith. Long live Christ the King
2: man